0: You're listening to the Go Global, Go Big podcast, powered by Globig. We cover topics designed to accelerate your global expansion. Hello, you're listening to the Go Global, Go Big podcast, powered by Globig. So today's topic is international SEO, and we have the esteemed Chris Ralph from Boulder SEO Marketing joining us here today. Chris, welcome to the podcast.
1: <laughs> what an intro! Hey Anke, I'm so glad to be on the show here, and it's actually it's a very international podcast. Uh, both you and I speak German. Right.
0: Yes, we're both from um, from Europe, you're from Switzerland, is that correct? Yeah, correct. And I'm from yep. Germany, so yes, we are both native speakers and this is really fun for us, I think, to collaborate on because we, again, we're both very passionate about this topic. Yep. Yeah. So Chris, tell me a little bit about um, Boulder SEO Marketing as well as yourself.
1: All right, great. So uh, I moved to the US, oh my gosh, back in 1996, 7, 8-ish, something like that. And then uh, my passion always was digital marketing, online marketing. I ended up becoming a marketing executive here over in Boulder, Colorado. And then just about five years ago, I had it with being an employee. Uh, I taught myself SEO over a period of probably like 20 years. And then I started my own little uh, SEO consulting and training agency, and it bloomed into what is now like an international SEO agency. And more and more, uh, I'm doing international SEO. I started as a local SEO company, and with my background in localization translation and online marketing, it was a natural fit to uh, delve more into the international part. So I'm, I'm very excited about international SEO.
0: You know, our listeners too. I are finding that international SEO is it's one of those things that everyone knows is really important, but it's somewhat elusive and a little bit scary. So I look forward to kind of unpacking that and and taking it and, and making it into you know bite sized chunks so that everyone can really one understand it better and really have kind of a strategy to to move forward with. So. So on the agenda, and this is some, you know what I'd love for you to go through, is really kind of give us an introduction. You have this wonderful presentation around the five pillars of SEO that we will share with our listeners. Um, the next one would be the kind of multilingual keyword research, as well as just some general fundamentals around international SEO and you know what kind of site structure and tools and technologies really support this process, and then also you know what your website will need for localization and. Translation and, and some really creative options out there that I actually wasn't aware of, uh, that I think our um, listeners will be really interested in learning more about. So, with that said, let's let's start with those kind of five pillars of SEO and, and help us to kind of establish a really good baseline.
1: All right, excellent. And actually, Anke, okay, let me ask you: uh, What's before I dive into the five pillars? What's the best place? or Where's the best place to hide a dead body? <laughs> <laughs>
0: A real dead body or a virtual dead body? (laughs) Well,
1: a virtual, no, a real. No, actually... Let me tell you uh, why I'm asking you this question. Uh, it's, I usually start with a slide in my presentations, and uh, it's it's I get very creative answers. I also speak at schools, and I tell you the younger the audience, the more creative the, the answers. But it's basically on uh, page number two of Google, right? Nobody goes to page number two, or very, very few people. So unless your website is properly optimized for search, Uh, It's not going to get the traffic it should be getting. So um, that's the way it is. That's why you need SEO, not just on a English level or uh, whatever your uh, source language is, but you also have to optimize it in into your foreign languages. And I uh, sort of created this, what I call the uh, the five pillars of SEO methodology. It's very straightforward and it works amazingly well. And before you can even think of diving into international SEO, you actually have to get your uh, source website ready for search. Otherwise, uh, you're just going to go down the wrong path and uh, you're not going to get anywhere. Does that make sense, right?
0: Yes, absolutely. So tell me a little bit what you mean by the health of your website.
1: All right. So the five pillars, um, it's the health of your website, as you just mentioned, basically, um, if you want to climb Mount Everest and you have all the gear, the knowledge, everything else that, uh, you know, you need to, to get it done, to get up there. Uh, It won't work unless you're healthy on the inside. The same thing applies to your uh, website. If, let's say, if your site got hacked and you have, which has happened, uh, I've spoken with clients, potential clients, their site was hacked and they had, unfortunately, porn sites pointing out of their website to um, those porn sites, Uh, Google doesn't like that. So really your website has to be healthy from the inside. You're going to lose a ton of SEO points if that's not the case.
0: How often do you see that? Do you see that fairly frequently that there are technical issues um, that can really um, impede the SEO opportunities?
1: Yeah, I would say probably 80% of all websites that we work with, they have technical issues and they can range from minor to, you know, medium, but I would say mostly, most of the websites we deal with, they're like in the, you know, minor to medium. And uh, then we, that's one of the first things that we fix, the technical issues, take care of that stuff. Then we can move on to uh, the functionality of a website. That's the second pillar. Uh, so Google pays a lot of attention how people interact with your website. You know, If they get to your website, do they consume pages? How long do they stay around? Do they download stuff? Uh, so that's the whole engagement part that uh, you will get a lot of SEO points. If uh, people actually like your website, if they inter- engage with it, come back. Do what you want them to do, right? So that's the second pillar. Um, Do you have questions about the functionality of the website?
0: Will we be going further into this through the um, podcast, or should we address it at this point?
1: Well, let's uh, let's address it now and maybe also talk about it a little bit later on. Um, so Anke, as you're probably aware, uh, Google recently had a mobile um, algorithm update where Google made it very clear, hey, unless your website is optimized for mobile, we're gonna give you less SEO points. So my advice, or probably the best advice in terms of functionality on this podcast, make sure that your website is mobile-friendly. You will lose rankings in Google searches and lose organic search traffic.
0: Is that primarily through responsive design or the screen size changing or what are some ways for it to be mobile friendly? If you're Yeah.
1: In- I mean, the fact is that uh, actually mobile searches have overtaken desktop searches worldwide, or they are just about to. So it's very simple. Your website has to uh, be mobile friendly in terms of somebody, you know, viewing your site on a cell phone, uh, on a tablet, etc. And yes, responsive, Design is a great start. Um, and you're probably good if at least your website is optimized for responsive or like if it has a responsive design.
0: Mm, interesting. But there probably are even more like, sophisticated things that you can do to make mobile yeah. friendly.
1: Yeah, if you have a lot of money or if you have enough money to spend, uh, you know, get a mobile version of your website. Uh, you could even, uh, tomorrow I'm, I'm on a panel where we talk about, uh, you know, you may even want to get an app for your business. Uh, just think about, think a little bit ahead. Uh, we are going mobile and it's, it's, we're going so fast mobile. So you need to be ahead of the curve. Uh, it absolutely has to be mobile friendly, your website.
0: Yeah. You know, some of the things, especially the Asian market, is um, to where they really are hardly using PCs, or at least certain generations are. They are really doing everything on their mobile devices. And, and that's so important. You're absolutely right.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so that's a huge part of the, uh, the functionality of a website. Um, then the, the third pillar is, it's called on-page SEO. It's basically anything that you can do on your website, starting with keyword research, uh, meta tags, mm-hmm. uh, alt image tags, uh, hyperlinking, content marketing, anything that actually happens on your website. So, that we can tell Google, hey, look, this is who we are. We want to be found for these keywords. Uh, Please send us traffic. So, that's uh, on page optimization. Then, the fourth pillar is off page optimization. Very few people understand off page SEO. In short, it's basically anything that you can do outside of your website to let the uh, search engines know that your website is relevant for certain keywords uh, for your business. And that can include uh, high-quality directory listings, uh, a press release strategy, a backlinking strategy, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Anything that happens outside of your website.
0: But there's still digital strategies that then link into your site. Is that kind of a high-level...
1: E- Yes so let, let me give you an example um, i i look at you know what companies does google invest into because you know i don't want to claim that google gives those companies preference in terms of search but um, you know i found out that google invested into a company called about.me about.me and, you know, I claimed my, my listing and uh, I optimized it for my key terms and I linked it back to my website and uh, it's, it's working really well. So that's a, a off-page digital, digital strategy part of, you know, uh, you just have to think about, right?
0: That is very interesting. Does, do companies have the option of claiming as well or is it then at an, at an executive level or as an individual?
1: Yeah, so it's basically you can claim an individual page for a person and you can also create a company page, which uh, I do for my clients, uh, both for the executives and for the company.
0: Very smart. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, And then the last pillar is social media marketing, a very often neglected piece of the puzzle. Some, uh, especially when I talk to executives, they just don't, they don't want to deal with social media marketing. They think it's still a fad. They think it's a, uh, you know, it's, it's a, it's a pain in the booty, so to speak. But, you know, it is a, a vital part of SEO. Uh, as soon as you promote a blog post through Google plus or Twitter, it's, it's indexed in Google's database because Google, um, will, uh, do partnerships with, uh, for example, Twitter. Now trending tweets are appearing in the search engine results pages. So you bet, you know, uh, as soon as I promote something on Twitter, et cetera, it's in their database. So it has to be part of your SEO strategy.
0: Is that true for all social media or is that true for, I mean, obviously with Google Plus, there would be a really tight connection, but yeah. it sounds like with Twitter, uh, even Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, what is really just the primary ones or even broader than that socially?
1: Yeah. So I found that, I mean, definitely Google Plus, right? Then uh, Twitter, since they just struck a partnership, uh, LinkedIn and SlideShare, those are... Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are the four that I know are working for my clients.
0: You know, SlideShare, I think, may be one of those often forgotten but really valuable SEO tools, isn't it?
1: Oh man, Um, yes. So Actually, I figured out how to optimize SlideShare for SEO. And it's awesome to take away page number one listings from your uh, competitors. So if you, do, you, know, if you would do a, a search for SEO training Denver, you'll see what I'm talking about. There should be a listing, probably four or five, uh, which is a listing to my SlideShare company page. So I'm taking valuable space away from my uh, competitors.
0: Excellent. All right, globig listeners, there's a really big tip for you to get some market share by, you know, really optimizing your social channels as well.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Excellent. So let's talk a little bit about how Google works and really building this, what you call the digital marketing credit score. Tell us a little bit about that.
1: All right, cool. Great question. So uh, Google has a very bold mission, right? They want to organize the world's information and make it universally accessible and useful. If you think about it, every day, millions of billions of pieces of content are being added to the web. So how do you make sense of all of this stuff, all of these words, bits and bytes? So, um, I mean, Google has an algorithm. Right. It has right now roughly about two hundred fifty signals in uh, in the algorithm. With uh, they're adding sub signals, sub algorithms within the main algorithm. So their algorithm is becoming more and more and more and more complex. And then basically. The better you address all of these ranking signals, the higher you will rank on Google. It's basically, it's that simple. So Google will sort of assign um, what is known as a, um, sort of like a, you know, like a credit score. People in the U.S. know what a credit score is. And they do exactly the same thing. They basically assign a digital Credit score to your website and digital assets that are out there. So, the better you know you address all of those signals, the more points you're going to get. Therefore, you should rank higher in Google's uh, algorithm.
0: Is this something that you can tell what your credit score is and you can see when you've made improvements, or do you have to just guess based on doing best practices?
1: Yeah, so basically, you can uh, put all of these 250 something ranking signals onto these five pillars that we discussed before and the better you know systematically work through all of these um, signals and sub signals the higher you should see your keywords appear for your website so if let's say if right now you're on page number three for one of your main target SEO keywords and you start your SEO strategy, and then two, three months down the road, you see improvements. Let's say you get to page number two or ultimately page number one. Then you know that uh, your digital credit score is improving.
0: Very good. So it is really a scientific sort of a thing you can pay attention to. You can have really specific objectives and and really work towards, which I think is great because with marketing, there are so many things in that you don't have that opportunity, you know, to be that methodical and
1: strategic yeah. around. Yeah, and I mean, you know, SEO is actually not rocket science. I mean, it 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 is not. Uh, it's it's actually very simple. But uh, a lot of people, they give up after months uh, one or two because they don't see the results. Uh, but it's really, you need to have a plan in place. And I will not work with clients unless they're committed to at least six months uh, in this process because you won't see results until about months uh, two or three. So it's, well,
0: that's good to know. So it yep. really is a long-term, ongoing Effort that you have to make is that the same I mean I would assume that's the same in your country of origin as well as with every country that you focus on from there is that correct you have to really allow for this time to to build up
1: absolutely Um, uh, people fail because they think they can throw a little bit of money at SEO you know just do it in a you know two weeks or a month and then nothing happens they give up and then they it's sort of like they retract same thing you know if you delve into international seo you better have to be prepared to actually put a lot of effort into you know multilingual content development do all the things that you also have to do for your english seo
0: You know, that's a really great segue into, you know, let's let's take some of those things and kind of look at the things that we actually do need to do for uh, international SEO. You know, starting with, I'm assuming, you know, keyword research and just a general understanding of where your site is currently with any sort of international Mm -hmm. customers. So let's do, let's talk about keywords specifically and how to research them and how to implement them well.
1: Okay, so basically, um, before starting with uh, international SEO, you need to have nailed your English or source language keywords. There's a, a tool, a free tool called, called uh, Google Keyword Planner. It's part of Google AdWords. Um, and I recommend, if you're listening to this podcast, if you haven't done scientific keyword research, uh, play around with this tool. Uh, you'll have to call in a credit card. I think you have to uh, sign up for a Google AdWords account, but you're not going to be charged. Uh, so make sure play around with Google Keyword planner. Uh, basically, you can find out you know how many people are searching for you know in my case, I do a lot of SEO classes in Denver. So I went to the tool, keyword planner. you know I typed in, SEO Classes Denver, and then I know exactly how many people are actually searching for for this exact same term, so I can determine, is this a good market for me? Do I want to invest my energy into offering SEO classes in Denver? The great thing is this tool will also give you uh, related keywords, let's say Social Media Marketing Workshops Denver. SEO training, etc. So you can sort of figure out, you know, what's your potential? What's the the market volume that you can work with? And then you want to pick the keywords that you think you can optimize for in a, uh, you know, in a time frame that allows you to put the effort into.
0: How many keywords should someone be focusing on? Is it a bunch of keywords on every page? Is it a couple of keywords, a site? Like, Mm-hmm. Give, give me a sense of, of what's realistic for a small business, medium, large business.
1: Okay. Small business, uh, let's say we're talking about a website with maybe 20, 30 pages. You know, I wouldn't optimize or try to optimize for more than 20 to 30 keywords. Medium-sized company, let's say in you know a couple of hundred uh, ranges of pages, Maybe, I mean, it, it also depends on a variety of factors, but, you know, try to stick to maybe 50 to 60 keywords. I mean, obviously, the more products or services you offer, the bigger the variety of your keywords, right? And then we have a multilingual, big corporations. It, you know, you may end up having to optimize for hundreds of keywords.
0: Well, and I was thinking especially e-commerce sites probably yep. as well as maybe media sites where they really have this vast uh, genre of things that they talk about and, and they probably want to optimize for a lot of those. But for most sites, they're really in an industry and they really have a focus. And so narrowing it down to some really specific keywords, may be the best way to approach it. Is that a reasonable
1: Yeah. Shot? So I would say start small, you know, even if, if, if you want to do SEO, uh, on your own, you, you cannot overwhelm yourself. You want to stick to, you know, test the market with maybe five or 10 keywords, or uh, just a, like a subsection of your website, see if it's working and then expand. Um, and don't just go for the big keywords that have, you know, thousands of searches, Uh, Try to find a little bit longer tail keywords that have a little bit less searches, but it's probably easier to rank uh, higher in a short amount of time.
0: You know, I was actually going to ask something about that. So when you do a keyword search and you, let's say you see, you know, 50 to 500 searches a month, but then you have these other things that are thousands, if not hundred thousands of searches a month are the smaller keywords often easier to optimize for?
1: Uh, Usually yes, right? Less people are searching for those keywords. Um, So if you create really high valuable content around those keywords, there's a good chance that you may appear higher in Google searches. Um, Let's say if we take a, a very broad keyword, cell phone, right? It's probably thousands of searches every month. But, you know, what is the intent of the searcher? So you always have to think about the intent of the searcher and the keywords. Um, And then it's it's going to be clear very fast. Okay, somebody searching for this, what's their ultimate goal? Do they want to buy it? Or do they want to do research? Or uh, if you get clarity about this, uh, it's you're on the right track.
0: You know, I want to share with our listeners that there is a really nice presentation that you created that will accompany this podcast that everyone that's um, listening to the podcast will also have access to that goes into, you know, you have some visuals and and kind of how to and step by steps on the slides. So that'll be helpful to support a lot of the keyword research conversation that we're having right now.
1: Great. Absolutely.
0: All right. So let's say you've identified your um, 20 to 50 keywords. You have a sense of what you're doing within the U.S. Now we want to take that somewhere uh, into another country. How do we approach it from there?
1: (laughs) All right. So now the tricky. So English SEO is easy, right? Now you multiply that by 10. 20 30 languages it gets tricky so what i recommend start with one language um you could keep it in-house but you need to have the resources available uh you and i'm not gonna lie you will most likely have to engage with you know somebody like me somebody uh that knows international SEO, that has the resources available uh, to do the keyword research. So usually what we do, uh, we first optimize uh, our client's English website. So it's 100% optimized for the uh, source language. Then we take the the 20 target SEO keywords and we transcreate them into the foreign language version. There's a pretty cool tool called Google Global Market Finder. If you just do a Google search for Google Global Market Finder, you'll find the tool. It basically, uh, you can type in, let's say, you know, cell phone into the keyword box and then pick from a pull-down menu what uh, languages you'd like to find out what this uh, keyword may get translated into, and boom, there we go. You know, so this tool will give you ideas, hey, okay, cell phone in Germany, uh, you know, people are searching for Handy or notel. You and I are familiar with these keywords, right? But here in the U.S., nobody would think about uh, that this is actually, you know, related to cell phone. Uh, so we start with this tool and then we have trained linguists that are uh, familiar with SEO where we do the keyword research in, again, Google uh, Keyword Planner, where we uh, get the data from those specific countries, and we look at recommendations from Google. Hey, you may want to think about this keyword. You know, here's a related keyword. And then we do Google searches, you know, what does Google actually display for those specific keywords that we think are working. So it's a lot of research and uh, that's what it takes. So per keyword, we usually spend, I would say, anywhere from, you know, 15 minutes to maybe 30, 40 minutes until we have nailed down the right keyword.
0: And within Google, they have an opportunity to get related keywords as well, or does that automatically show up when you do a keyword search?
1: Yeah, both uh, a Global Market Finder and Keyword Planner will show you related keywords.
0: Are there other tools that you like for these sorts of services as well, or do you feel like Google offers um, really good free services?
1: You know, there are a ton of tools out there. I... Personally, I stick to Google products because it's the um, you know it's the search engines I opt the search engine I optimize for. Um, but just do a search for keyword research tool or tools on Google, and you'll find a vast variety of other tools. Um, I know what's working for me, so I'm sticking to uh, you know what I know is working.
0: Well, and like you said, Google is really the the leader globally and it's a free tool and it's a great tool so it makes a lot of sense
1: to use that I mean you know if you're dealing with Russia or China uh, Russia the the prominent search engine there is Yandex and China it's Baidu so I recommend uh, going into those tools uh, to do the the research there Uh, I mean you have to look at uh, you know, where is Google dominant and, you know, work with the appropriate search engine tools available. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: All right. So now we've got the keywords, um, both in different languages. What's the next step?
1: All right. It's a great question. So now we have nailed down the exact or like we transcreated those, uh, 20 or 30 keywords. Now we're basically going to take care of the on-page optimization. All right, So we're going to transcreate all of the, the title and uh, description tags and the, the keyword tags. Basically every page has uh, meta tags consisting of title, description and keyword tags. So we create those, Uh, then we need to, if the content has already been translated, we have to go through, do a light edit, make sure that we include the right keywords. You know, we're going to hyperlink to other applicable content on the website. Uh, So it's really, we're going to take care of the on-page optimization, make sure that all the keywords are being put in place where they should be put in place. Um then we have the client review and approve the the content that we just edited. Um and so that's basically the the very very basic on-page optimization process just to make sure that we place the right keywords uh, throughout the website.
0: Absolutely. And then would the next step be the um off-site optimization as well?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, if if the website has been professionally localized or translated by a vendor, you also have to make sure that you update the glossary and the translation memory. So those, those are more, more details that we're probably not going to cover in depth in this conversation. Um, But then, of course, before you go into off-page optimization, you know, you need to implement an ongoing multilingual content development strategy. Um, Just placing your keywords on your website, you know, it's going to help, but it's not going to make a huge difference. So you really need need to have an ongoing plan um, that you need to execute on a regular basis. And very important, probably the most important thing: ongoing multilingual content development. All right. Which
0: then would mean mm-hmm. you need native speakers and native bloggers. Do you have blogging services that you work with in different countries to do that, or?
1: Yep. Okay. Yeah, so I have resources where uh, you know we develop multilingual content that's optimized for search.
0: Interesting. Yep. So again, listeners, that's. Uh, it might seem overwhelming to think about having a really robust content strategy for different countries, but there really are great services out there to help you with this if you do not have the internal resources to handle that because that's a, that's a big job. As you know, anyone who's managed a blog or tried to continue creating content, not only do you have to be really creative constantly, but to then do that in multiple languages, is a, it's a big job. So well, it's a
1: huge task. And, yeah. you know, to be honest, most uh, companies shy away from it. They will do the basic on-page optimization on their multilingual uh, pages, but then they simply stop because they, they're not prepared to handle the, uh, you know, the work. So... You know, you can outsource all of these tasks, but it's going to cost money, but it can, it can be very lucrative in terms of, you know, getting those rankings in all of those languages.
0: Yeah, and it would seem that if your strategy is truly to be doing business and doing business well in a country that having a, a, a larger content strategy and SEO strategy is really important. I don't know how you would get around that yeah. and be successful, so...
1: No, absolutely. And you know what? Uh, I recommend get started maybe with uh, a blog post a month or maybe a couple of blog posts a month. And then, um, you know, we can properly, uh, you know, transcreate or translate and optimize press releases, you know, start small. Don't overwhelm yourself. It's, 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 a, it's quite a bit to manage. Um, but if you start small and then expand as your uh, resources allow, that's that's probably a good uh, tip or that I can pass on here.
0: Yep. So now we've covered quite a few different topics. One more that I think is really important that I'd love for you to talk about is, so you have content, you have your keywords. How do you structure your website so that it can really... One, that Google can and any other search engine can recognize that this is a site for France or this is a site for China or for Mm -hmm. Germany. I imagine there are lots of different ways. And and how do you do it? What are some best practices? And what do you need to think about pros and cons about the different ways you can structure your site for international content and SEO? All
1: right, great question. So you have probably three Three options or four, something around there. Um, so you can, let's say, my business name is uh, Boulder SEO Marketing. I chose the <clears throat> .dot com uh, domain. Uh, you could, if you're a big multinational corporation, uh, you could, you know, let's say, you could choose globic.fr. Uh, .dot Okay, if you wanted to go into France, you know, you could uh, choose globic.uk, globic.de. So basically maintain a website for all of the countries that you want to dominate. So
0: that means you have to buy the domain name, you host that domain name, and you host really an entirely separate site for each country is what you're saying. That's one way companies do that. Yeah. I mean,
1: look at Google. I mean, that's the model that Google deploys because they have, you know, very country specific um, marketing strategies. So if you're a big player, if you have in-country teams that have an in-country marketing strategy, that's probably the way to go. Uh, but then it's going to be a very decentralized uh, SEO strategy. So that's also something to think about. Um, know, I
0: read once, and I'm not sure if this is correct. Maybe you can help me. Is you should then also be hosting on a um, server in that country. Yep. Is that correct? So let's say we are doing globig.de. So DE is the German extension for Mm -hmm. a domain name, would I then want to have my server and be hosting that site in Germany for them to recognize that that's truly a German site? Is that correct?
1: You know, that's the best case scenario. That's the way it should be done. Uh, Absolutely. Um, I see that some companies, they will register a you know .de domain, but then the servers are in the US or in Asia somewhere, and you're just going to confuse Google. That's that's just the way it is. You know, so if you want to be, if you want to do it right, uh, set up a .de, uh, a .uk site, but uh, then host it as well in the uh, appropriate countries.
0: So now Amazon and some of the larger hosting companies, they have servers in many, if not most countries so that they can do that for you. Is that correct?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. yeah.
0: So you, you, know, you wouldn't have to have 10 different vendors if you have different country sites, if you have a larger company that can provide you with the hosting in that country as well.
1: Oh, yeah. You know, just uh, go with a bigger service and tell them, hey, look, I want, uh, I, you know, an IP associated with this country. Uh, just make sure this actually happens. Because uh, nowadays, a lot of the servers they actually host, uh, they're actually physically in Asia. So the, you're just going to confuse Google. Um yeah.
0: Interesting. That's I mean those are really important things to keep in mind that you've done all this work and then you didn't think about having it on the right you know, hosting company yeah. and, and then it didn't work as well as you were hoping.
1: Yeah. Um, and see that's that's uh, the the technical pillar, one of the things you need to think about. It is a ranking signal in Google uh, in Google's algorithm. Absolutely. All right, Uh, then you could have subdomains. Uh, Subdomains would be, for example, de.globig.com. So um, I see it less and less. So it seems like uh, most companies will either go with a country-specific, you know, like globig.de, or they will actually have uh, subdirectories. That's be. how
0: Globig is doing it. So we do yeah. use subdirectories. We have Globig.co actually uh, forward slash UK or forward slash DE or forward slash SG for Singapore.
1: Absolutely. Oh, it looks there. Uh, like you got a doggy there as well. <laughs> All right. So that's probably. I would. That's probably the the option that I would recommend, because then uh, on each page of your uh, website, you can include what is called the href language tag, where you can tell Google, hey, this piece of content is associated with Germany, or France, or Italy, or Spain, or whatever.
0: And it takes less effort than having completely separate websites as you would with the unique domain name option, which was the first one we talked about. Is that correct?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So probably the best workaround or the easiest option to uh, maintain a multilingual website is the uh, subdirectories option with uh, the forward slash D-E-E-S, all those different uh, subdirectories.
0: Interesting. You know, I would listen to a podcast that Chris um, hosted a a while back and he had this very, very interesting fourth option that he's going to share with us now that I was not familiar with. And I had done some extensive SEO work with years ago, but this was not an option at that time. And this is a very creative option. And and Chris, share with us a little bit about this kind of new
1: Mm -hmm. approach
0: that companies are considering.
1: Okay, so it's called basically a proxy solution and uh, one of my partners, it's a localization translation company, they uh, deployed this, uh, it's called NetProxy, it's a proxy translation server or like a, a way to manage websites. So basically all they need is your uh, the URL of your website. And they can sort of recreate the websites. Uh, You don't even have to send any files. They can recreate the website in uh, whatever language you need them to. And then the the content is actually hosted on a proxy server. And it's properly optimized. Uh, I mean, I'm getting involved with the uh, international SEO. But it's basically all they need is the URL, you know, bouldersseomarketing.com or globig.co, that's it. And they take away the pain of the back and forth of uh, file management, etc. Um, it's, it's, it truly is an amazing service, and uh, it's, it's working really well for SEO as well.
0: So pros, obviously, that it's much easier and hands-off, you need less resources. Any cons around just people feeling like something's out of their control or are you seeing any sort of resistance by some of the larger companies for some sort of a proxy option or is it more mid-sized to smaller companies using the service?
1: You know, it's definitely more mid-sized to smaller companies uh, because, you know, it's, it's not like a control issue. I mean, the content is not hosted on your server, right? Some, it sits somewhere else. So what if something happens? Um, I mean, it's an extremely stable solution. I've not heard any complaints or any, um, you know, anybody dealing with any major issues. But, of course, you always have to think that something could happen. Um, I think
0: this makes perfect sense for many, many-sized companies. I think that it's a very, very elegant option. And I think you'll find... I, I imagine we're going to see a lot more of this um, in the future as international SEO becomes more and more important part of of people's overall strategies. So.
1: Oh, yeah. No, I mean, you know, think about it. I mean, I personally have nothing on my desktop anymore. Everything's in the cloud. You know, I use Dropbox. It's exactly the same model. So once you buy into that concept that you know, your stuff is not physically with you anymore, it's easy to let go. And, you know, I tell you, uh, I travel worldwide. I I rely on, uh, you know, cloud services, and it's exactly the same thing. And definitely uh, time to market is way faster with uh, a proxy solution. And, uh, yeah, it it works remarkably remarkably well.
0: Very, very nice. Well, I think these are all... Excellent options. And uh, we've, I think, gone through, I think, the overview of international SEO. Are there any other aspects that you feel like we should um, touch on? Or uh, would this be a really good time to invite people to download your presentation, take a look at your company, and also the the Globig platform for additional um, international SEO guidelines, if you will?
1: Absolutely. Uh, I guess my advice would be, um, you know, if you want to go international, if you want to do international SEO, it's always great if you have an in-country resource that can help review content that, let's say, if you outsource services to somebody like us. Uh, We want to make it teamwork. You know, we really rely on our clients uh, for their product and services knowledge. We cannot just know everything. So it's always good to have in-country resources that, you know, can help us help our clients. That's uh, probably one of the most important parts of uh, international SEO to succeed
0: absolutely all right well chris i want to thank you so very much for being on the Big podcast today again chris ralph with boulder seo marketing and international seo expert um thank you for joining us and we look forward to um having you on the next go global go big podcast <laughs> all right there's
1: a blast thanks a lot Duncan. thank you bye-bye bye-bye